Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. He had this song, What I Love About Sunday. Uh, Anybody want to admit you know that song? Okay, some of you are going to be honest with me. Um, You've probably heard the song if you uh, listen to anything that has uh, country music. But let me tell you, let me read you the the opening lines in the the first verse, of course. Raymond's in his Sunday best. He's usually up to his chest in oil and grease. There's the Martins walking in with that mean little freckled faced kid who broke a window last week. I represented that kid at one time, except I didn't have freckles. Um, Broke a window in church one time. Not on purpose, I don't think. Um, Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off key in the pew behind me. It's what I love about Sunday. Sing along as the choir sways. Every verse of Amazing Grace And then we shake the preacher's hand. Go home and to your blue jeans. Have some chicken and some baked beans. Pick a a backyard football team. Not much of anything. That's what I love about Sunday. Now, the uh, writers of that song didn't ask me, but I could have given them a number of things to write about Sunday. Uh, I mean, I, I love Sundays, and there's, there's tons of things in my life. I've, I've been in the church since nine months before I came into this world, and I can tell you all sorts of stories about the church. I, I can remember one Sunday morning at Rhineville Baptist Church. I was sitting in the back of the church, because that's where all the good deacon's kids sat, uh, getting in trouble by the pastor's kids. Uh, that's why Drew has to sit on the front. Um, and so we were sitting back there that, that morning, and behind the, the baptistry was this large stained glass window. And in that large stained glass window, in the middle was this wooden cross. It was a beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, it was terrible for for letting in cold air, but it was beautiful uh, stained glass. And one Sunday morning, we started watching, there was a mouse, and he'd run across the top of that beam. And he'd run out to the middle, he'd, he'd dance a little bit, and then he'd run back. I'm not sure what the preacher said that morning, but everybody else in the room finally picked up on that mouse just running across that beam. Uh, I can remember at, at Ryanville Baptist Church growing up, we had potlucks. Every fifth Sunday was a potluck dinner on the grounds. And listen, I tell you, I love those moments. Now, my daddy always made sure that I was the last in line. He wanted everybody else to get food before his sons came through. And I didn't care because the sweet little old ladies in the kitchen who did the potlucks loved me so much, I got to taste test before anybody else got there. So I had an appetizer before they got there. But here was how we had to get chairs. Our little church didn't have enough chairs just to have them down in the gym. We had this concrete gym, uh, block walls, concrete floor. 
we would have to get chairs from Sunday school classrooms. So worship's going on, and you might out here in the hallway be carrying four chairs, and you're trying not to clang because if you clang the chairs, everybody's going to hear. Well, just, just about the College Street doors was the entrance to that gym, balcony. And we had to get those chairs. Well, we learned it, there was a lot easier to take the chairs to that balcony and then stand at the top of that balcony over that concrete floor and drop. And then the guy below would catch the chair before it hit the ground. Great system. Until you dropped one. When you dropped one, somebody would, one deacon would come out of the, come out of the sanctuary. What you boys doing down here? You know, we'd had, there's tons of things about Sunday that I love and love about, uh, about Sunday. And, and listen, songwriters write, they want to tell a story and I get it. But if that's what we love about Sunday, we miss what God loves about Sunday. God has a different thought process about what Sunday ought to look like for you and I. The first day of the week, the Sabbath. He has a completely different idea. But for whatever reason, we've made our remembrance of Sundays about the events that took place and not the relationship that needs to happen. Oh, I can tell stories about the church hiding in the attic, looking down on the people. Walking across the beams praying, my daddy never found me. But the best stories have been when Jesus met me there. When the gospel was presented and I heard God speak clearly. The best stories are when, when somebody hears the truth for the first time and gives their life to Christ. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for Sunday. And unfortunately, we've disrupted that some and made it about ourselves. I mean, think about it. If you go to church because of the people and not because of the relationship with Christ, you've missed the point. If you go to church, uh, to any church, because you like, because it's about what you like and they do it right and they don't do it right over here because you don't like the way they do it, you've missed the point. We, we miss the point with, with Sunday because we make it all about us, don't we? This means yes, this means no. And I, listen, it doesn't take a rocket science to know we've missed it, right, Mike? I mean, we've been arguing for years on music, Bible translations, what to wear, who can and can't stand up and speak. We've missed that because we get so consumed with that. And our excuse is, well, this is my church. No, it really isn't. It's God's. So this morning, I want us to look at Exodus 31. And I want us to see what we should love about Sunday. I want us to see what God desires us to know about Sunday. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Exodus 31, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Verse 12 of, verse thir of chapter 31 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations 
so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. Observe, observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. Whoever does work on it, that person must be cut off from his people. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day, there must be a Sabbath of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath, they must be put to death. The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout their generations as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You may be seated. It's interesting that we looked at this text and we talk about the Sabbath and we, we got to understand that God has a, the Sabbath is very important. And as much as we have missed the point, Scripture is clear about the Sabbath. In fact, in the book of Exodus, the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath is mentioned five different times throughout the book of, of Exodus. Um, the first one happens in Exodus 16. Long before the Ten Commandments come in, the people of Israel have escaped Egypt, and God is providing manna from heaven. And as he provides manna from heaven, he says to them, you collect what you need on the sixth day for the seventh day, because on the seventh day you are to rest. Exodus 20. Uh, Exodus 20 is is the people of Israel hear the Ten Commandments. They're at the bottom of the mountain, and they hear God speak. They're, they're fearful of hearing the words of God, but God tells them, you're to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, uh, 23, Exodus 23. Exodus 23 is all about detailing, gets into the, the nuts and bolts about the Sabbath. Exodus 31, the one we will look at today, reminds us to keep the Sabbath. And then Exodus 35 is when Moses comes down from the mountain. And you remember, he has, he has been with God. His face is glowing. He has to wear a veil. And the first thing he comes down, he reminds them, they are about keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a big deal. God wants his people, you and I, to understand what that looks like. Now, in our culture today, we struggle with the Sabbath because, well, quite frankly, no, there's no mention of the Sabbath in the New Testament. And so scholars want to debate on the Sabbath. On the liberal side, you have people who go, we really don't have to worry about the Sabbath because we're resting in Christ and we have Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Therefore, we have Christ every day. There's really no reason to do that. But I think that misses the point of what God has set up in the Old Testament. In fact, those who want to go there uh, talk about Colossians. You don't see it on the screen. I'll just read it to you. Colossians 2, 16, Paul says these words, and, and some people want to use this to remind us that the Sabbath is just is something we don't have to worry about. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in your regard to food and drink, or in matters of festivals or new moons, or a Sabbath day. Now, here's the reason Paul writes this, is because the Jews, just like you and I, 
overcomplicate things. They, they came up with so many rules on what the, the Sabbath was, what they could and couldn't do, that they overcomplicated it. The purpose of the Sabbath is for resting and worship. That's it. Resting and worship. Sabbath means to cease. And so I think God still wants you and I to remember the Sabbath. So here's the big idea this morning. You'll catch it here on the screen. When you understand the importance of the Lord's Day, the gospel will transform your week. Catch that. When you understand the Lord's Day, the gospel will transform your week. It's all about gospel transformation. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at this text in Exodus 31. And, and let me begin by saying we won't cover everything about the Sabbath because in all five cases of Exodus, the Sabbath, there is something new mentioned about the Sabbath in every one of them. And so each one has new points to make. So if you really want to do a study on the Sabbath, you've got to bring them all together and, and see how they each one point in different directions. So what I want to do today is I want to give you, I want to give you three things about the Sabbath that we learned today. First of all, the Sabbath is to be observed. The Sabbath is to be observed. And you go, well, duh. Well, I know. It's Rineville, grew up, small town, simple kid. I make simple points. We're to make the Sabbath. We observe the Sabbath. In the context of, of Exodus 31, God has given instructions on the tabernacle. He's told them what the tabernacle looks like, how to do it, and there's two men who's supposed to take care of it. Uh, Bezala and Aholot, Aholot. And both of those men were responsible for all the detail work. God tells, him, God tells them in the first 11 verses all these things that they're supposed to do and how it works out. And then, and you get to verse 12, in 13, then God says, and remember the Sabbath. Now, let's, let's unpack that for a second. Why, why would God have to re-say that? What purpose is there in reminding them to observe the Sabbath? It's already been said. In fact, this is the, the fourth time in, in Exodus that it's been said. So really, why, why go back to remember the Sabbath? Well, it's real simple. And by the way, if you don't get anything out of this today, that's okay because God has wore me out all week on this. Here's what it means. Those two men were serving the Lord. God had put them in a place of service. And their service does not excuse their breaking the Sabbath. They're still to observe the Sabbath. Even though you're serving, even though you're doing everything for the Lord, that still doesn't give you an excuse to stop, not stop, and observe the Sabbath. Now get that for a minute. What do you mean? I come to church and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Yes, but are you having a Sabbath? If you're serving and working and doing, you miss the Sabbath. You need to observe the Sabbath. Now you get why God's been all over me this week over this? Anybody in ministry knows that Sunday's, Sunday's not an, uh, a day off. 
Everything goes on. My typical Sunday morning starts 4.35 o'clock. Studying and, and not for the message, but my quiet time and trying to get my heart in tune. Then, then you get here and, oh, we got to get this done. Somebody comes and says, Pastor, you know, I was about to preach one Sunday and somebody comes, not here. Somebody comes in and says, hey, the bathroom's overflowing. I can go handle that or I can go, go preach. You, you, you want to flip a coin, see which one you do and I do, you know? We, you know, but my role as a pastor is no different than many of yours. When we're not in COVID, some of you are teaching Sunday school, you're, you're, you're keeping the nursery, you're, you're working in our children's ministry, our student ministry, and, and your day is consumed by serving. And the question is, when the day is over, did you have a Sabbath? Well, yeah, pastor, I went home and took a nap. I get that. There's the resting, but where's the worship? The Sabbath is to be observed, and, and these two men, while godly as they were and God appoints them, there's no excuse for them to not observe the Sabbath. You and I live in a time when we need to observe the Sabbath. Second thing I want us to catch in this text is the Sabbath is about relationship. It's all about relationship. When, when we come to this text, we, we see in verse 13 and, and following, look with me there at 13 again. It, it says, tell the Israelites you must observe my Sabbaths. Uh, let, me, let me back up. I should have said this before. If you notice there in 13, there's an S on Sabbaths. There's a reason for that. Because Sabbaths come every week. It's not a one time or one moment a year. So every seven days, so there's an S, makes it plural. But it says, observe the Sabbath. And then look what he says. For this is a sign between who? You and me throughout your generations. So that they will, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. It's at this moment that God gives purpose behind the Sabbath. It, it's about a covenant relationship. Up until this point, it's, it's kind of understood but never stated. So at this moment, there's a statement to say, this is a covenant relationship that you and I are entering into, that the whole world will know that you and I belong together, that you and I are stuck like glue, as Sugarland says. And so there's this relationship that happens in the Sabbath. Now catch this, the Sabbath is about, about rest and about worship. So what happens is when they gather together to worship, they come into God's house and they begin to hear God's word. And as they begin to hear God's word, they begin to grow in that relationship. They begin to, to understand the importance of that relationship. In fact, I, I, every relationship that's meaningful takes time. Wouldn't you agree? 
I mean, don't, don't raise your hand at this moment, but, but some of you married to your spouse and your spouse turned you down the first time, right? It wasn't until later that they agreed to go out with you. Now, there's a variety of reasons. Some of them just thought you was crazy to begin with. And you had to prove them that, well, that you weren't crazy and then you were after they married you. But it takes time. Every relationship takes time. In all my ministries, I have tried to have a relationship outside the church with a group of people. Um, for the sole purpose that people who, who I know weren't going to come in the building of the church, weren't going to, if, if I didn't go seek them, they probably, our past may or may not cross. So I've been the chaplain of, of a lot of things. I've been the chaplain of sports teams from, from football, basketball, baseball. I've been chaplain of police departments. And, and every one of them required time. First time I was a chaplain of a football team, I, I remember that first season. Uh, coach had me do it at the end of the day. He had some rough players that year. And, and any time on a school campus, that has to be an an option that they they don't have to participate so at the end of the day after after all the football practice is over after they've run up and down the field then they can stay extra to hear somebody <laughs> talk about God you want to know how many players stayed not very many but that first season we just began building a relationship and over time to this day, there are players that I have relationships with that their lives have been changed. Officers who, whose life has been changed, who I've, I've watched come to know Christ. Players I've prayed with. All that doesn't happen just in the blink of an eye. And so for you and I in our relationship with God, it takes time. It takes, it takes a growing, it takes a a part of us knowing who God is. And so up until this point, God is giving them instructions on the tabernacle. So what he's doing is he's giving them a place to worship and meet him. Now he needs to set aside a time. And so every seven days, on the Sabbath, you cease. And you come. You rest. And you worship. God had a purpose and a plan. The third thing we see in this text is the Sabbath carries with it, uh, carries a punishment for those who break it. A punishment for those who break it. Look with me at the, the text again. In verse uh, 14 and 15. Catch this. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to what? Death. Now, catch that. Put to death. If anyone does work on it, that person must be cut off from his people. Work may, uh, work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath, a, a ceasing of complete rest. Holy to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath, they must be put to what? You want to talk about a harsh punishment. You work on the seventh day. Is that me? Oh, there he goes. 
you work on the seventh day, you're going to be put to death. As we look at this, we, we see this unfold. A harsh punishment. Why is it a harsh punishment? Because God knows there's got to be a relationship. And if you want to work on the seventh day, what you're basically saying is, I don't want any relationship with God. I'm good on my own. I don't need him. So it's a defiance of recognizing who God is. So in other words, don't call out to God for all the good moments and not be willing to have a relationship with him. If you don't want to have a relationship with him, then you try it on your own, see how well you do. It's a punishment. Now, if you know any devout Jews, you know that even to this day, that's a significant thing. Well, when I was in Israel, we were in, in uh, Jerusalem on the Sabbath. And, and everything shut down. You couldn't check into the hotel. You couldn't, I mean, there was very little that happened in that hotel that day. The Sabbath is a significant moment for a Jew. They know how powerful that is. Um, let, me, let me help you think about this. You may go back some time ago when, when Al Gore was running for president, his vice president was go, going to be Joe Lieberman. You may remember that. Lieberman is a devout Jew, and he radically, well not radically, but he observes the ordinances of a Jewish culture. And in 2009, the U.S. Senate was voting on health care for this. And as the health care bill was to come up, uh, Harry Reid made the, the deal that it was going to be voted on a Saturday. Well, that's a problem for Joe Lieberman because he's a Jew. Jews don't work on Saturday. It's the Sabbath. It's a day of holy rest, holy in worship. Now, there are some stipulations for a Jew. Uh, if you're a doctor, you can carry your cell phone because a Jew doesn't even answer the phone on a Sabbath. But if you're a doctor, you can carry your cell phone, and if you have to answer it in an emergency, you take it, and then you can go because it is all about preserving human life. Lieberman saw that this vote was critical for the welfare of humanity. But the problem was it was on Saturday. So the article talked about Lieberman's decision, and on that particular day, he was going to walk from his place in Georgetown to the Capitol. It was over five miles. The temperatures that day was going to be um, in the 40s or below. The wind chill was going to be up, but he walked. Uh, it took him... Uh, one hour, he thought it was going to take him one hour and 45 minutes to two hours to make that walk. He'll have to walk to the Capitol, cast his vote, and then walk back. He couldn't get in a car. For you see, the Jewish law says that you can't work on Sabbath. And driving the car, turning the key was like starting fire on the Sabbath. And so you couldn't do that. And so Joe Lieberman walked that day. That's how serious Jews observe the Sabbath. Which then poses a question for you and I. 
how serious do we take Sunday? And you go, well, pastor, there's a couple of questions I have. The Sabbath is on Saturday. Why do we do Sunday? Jews acknowledge the Sabbath. We don't even call it Sabbath. We call it Sunday or the Lord's Day. Why, why is that? Well, it's real simple. It's because of Jesus. As humans, we have no authority to change God's commands or laws. Only God. And if you understand Scripture, you understand that Jesus was raised from the grave on the first day of the week. And so we celebrate and worship on the first day of the week. We look at the first day and we acknowledge this is the day that Christ came from the grave. And so we acknowledge that. We, the, the apostles started calling it the Lord's Day so as not to, to, to conflict with the Sabbath because it was the day that Jesus came from the grave. And if you look and you look at the history, you know that the church was established on the day of Pentecost, which is Sunday following the Sabbath. So that's the reason that we gather in this place on Sunday. That's the reason we don't call it a Sabbath. We call it the Lord's Day. So when we look at this text, we understand there's the importance of observing it. There's the importance of, or there's a punishment involved and it's all about a relationship. So we understand those three things. So what does that mean for you and I today? How, how do we take the Sabbath? Because as we, we've talked, we've kind of misplaced the, what Sunday is all about. Well, let me give you three things. First, it's about spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal happens when we observe Sunday. When you come to this place and you gather together with believers, if you come with the right mind, not that I'm going to see my friends and that's who I really want to come. I only really go because I want to see them. And I only stay for this part because that's really all I like. Or, or that's only where people are that I want to be. If that's your reason, you miss the whole point. But if you come with an open heart wanting to worship, spiritual renewal happens weekly. But there's a piece of that puzzle that, that falls on you. You have to come ready for that spiritual renewal to take place. To meet God where he is. To hear from God. To be challenged by God. That has to happen. You have to come with the heart, the attitude to say, speak to me, Lord. Not, what are you going to do for me? And the second thing we find is there's physical renewal happens. Remember, the Sabbath is about rest. And so physical renewal happens on the Lord's Day. When we come to the place and we're going to stop and, and worship and let everything else go away. Uh, you, many of you have heard me say this before, but I, I believe we run at a much quicker pace than God ever intended us to run. We do more than God ever intended us to do. 
And because of that, what happens is we keep moving and moving, and it's hard for us to stop and be still. But the Sabbath is all about rest. You go six days and you give him one. You worship and you rest. And there's a physical renewal that takes place. Sometimes what happens is we, get, we, get, we can't wait to get to Monday because our weekend has been so full that we can finally rest when we get back to work. And we miss it. God wants to speak to us. He can't do that when we are exhausted and not ready to hear. The third takeaway I want you to catch this morning. It's all about the gospel witness. The gospel witness happens. When you commit to Sunday, to the Lord's Day, for the right reasons, you begin a gospel testimony. A gospel testimony that the world cannot deny. Why are you so committed to going to church on Sunday? Listen, we only go one out of three. That's good enough for us. It gives you an opportunity to speak the gospel to somebody. It gives you an opportunity to speak the gospel without saying a word. But in many cases, people will ask you, and then you know, the door is open for you to share the gospel. Well, I go because what what it does for me spiritually. And please don't, don't miss that. If you say, I go because I like the people, I'm glad. But you didn't help make the gospel connection for them. Well, I go because I like the music. You still miss the point. It's about the gospel. So make sure you make the gospel connection there. Probably the greatest example of the Sabbath and keeping the Sunday is uh, Eric Lindell. You've seen the movie Chariots of Fire. That's his life story. Um, he was a Scottish Olympian, was to run the 200-meter Presbyterian, and uh, his, his meet was to be on, on Sunday. And so this is the Lord's Day. I'm not going to do it. To, to amazement to everyone, you mean you're not going to run on, you're, you're not because it's the Lord. It's just one day. Listen, you can pick this up another day. You can do something else another day. No, I'm, I'm just not. Amazement, the world. What he did decide to do is run the 400 meter. And as he was getting ready to run, his trainer handed him a piece of paper. It says, those who honor me, I will honor. He ran that 400 in amazement. But here's what the world remembered. His faith in God was more important than a gold medal. What's your faith worth? Are you willing to, to have a, a Lord's Day, a Sabbath? Now, I can't end here because there's somebody who's going to come to me and says, but I don't know how to deal with this working on Sunday. The reason Paul makes the statement he makes is because it's about relationship and worship. And so you may not be able to, to do Sundays, but you can rest and worship on Saturday 
you can rest and worship at a different time. The kicker is, are you resting and worshiping in God? That's what I love about Sunday, is that I get to encounter God. That in the, the crazy week that we have and all the things that are going on, this is the moment in which I look forward to. I, I look forward to seeing you all, but I, I, I look forward to seeing what God does. I look forward to, to opening God's word privately and publicly in hearing from God. Now here's the thing, you can pray for me. I, I've got to do a better job on the resting. But I recognize that. Where are you at? This morning, if you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, everything I've just said is kind of weird to you. Why would you? I mean, you could make money. You could do this. You could. Sundays are for NFL football. I'm not saying you can't watch NFL football. But where's your priority? If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the day I pray that you come to know Christ. That you admit you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. And that you commit your life to him. If you're watching us on streaming or television, you can, you can call us at 270-681-2363. Maybe it's a decision to join our church. Maybe it's a decision just to talk about what it means to, to, to make Christ the center of your life. Would you use that phone number? If you're here this morning at the end of our service, if there's a decision on your heart, whatever it is, to come to know Christ, join our church, or questions, or if you just want to be prayed over, I'll be right outside these doors. You come, you see me. I'll be glad to, to pray with you. We have a lobby here. Everybody else exits this way. You come that way. We'll talk and we'll pray. Would you stand with me this morning?